0: welcome to the hard enduro hosers podcast
1: the canadian podcast where we cover gossip gear and events that we've absolutely no authority in i'm alex christie and i'm kyle frosey Welcome to episode three of the podcast and uh, we were inspired by the Kyle's choice of bike in episode two, the gas gas, and we wanted to look into gas gas a little bit more. Where did this company come from? I mean, why was KTM interested in them? So we'll take it all the way back to the 1950s. Danny Mayton owned a very small shop and he worked on motorcycles and stuff like that. He actually worked for an electrical company at the time, but he had a shop and was an avid tinker. And uh, where's he from? Salt Girona in Spain, and uh, he became friends with Narcis Casas and Josep Piber- Pibernat. I'll just call them uh, Narciss and Josep. And uh, they were kids when they started visiting them and hanging out and, and coming by the shop and learning to ride. As they progressed, Joseph and Narciss opened a shop selling bol tacos. Uh, a lot of you bol taco may sound familiar. They were actually the predecessor to Shirko, The same founder. Oh, bit of an overlap there.
0: In the same bed type thing.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that that was the company uh, that actually sponsored uh, Joseph and Narciss.
0: Funny how that happens, hey. You create a company so you can sponsor yourself?
1: Well, uh, they didn't actually start Boltaco. Boltaco was the bike that sponsored them. Uh, And then in 1975, they started renting out Danny's shop, which was above his house, as a company called uh, Gas Gas by the two entrepreneurs. And Gas Gas sounds like a weird name. Like, why would you choose that? But in Spanish, Gas Gas is actually like to give more throttle, more gas. um, So it makes more sense.
0: Makes a lot of sense. That's a good name.
1: So... When they started coming to the U.S., they were having problems, and the U.S. marketer actually changed the slogan into gas, gas equals fast, fast, to try and make Americans understand it. Yeah, makes sense of it all. Anyway, the, so the two, the Spanish riders, uh, Narsip and Joseph, they quickly became uh, the, the top Spanish riders for trials. They were very successful. Oh, well, uh,
0: Was this all trials back in the uh, day?
1: Boltaco, actually, they made some Enduros, but I believe they were mainly trials riders at the time.
0: Yeah, but both of those guys were riding trials bikes? Yeah, I believe so. That's what they're sponsored for, yeah.
1: And uh, so they became the top test riders. That's 1974. Five years later, 1979 rolls around. Botaco is having problems. Oil prices have skyrocketed. There's a lot of competition coming into the market from Japan. And they have a staff strike that lasts 90 days. So for 90 days, three months, there are no bikes produced. Wow. This basically killed Botaco. Uh, They were able to limp the company into 1983. They kind of hung on by doing worker buyouts and stuff like that, where the workers tried to run the company and revive it, but it never really came back around. So, Gas Gas was forced to sell SWM, which was another small brand at the time. But in 1984, the next year, Baltaco officially went under. In 1984, SWM also went under. In 1985, Gas Gas, both Narciss and Joseph got an investment of 10 million pesetas, which is approximately 220000 Canadian dollars in 2020. So adjusted for inflation and everything. They used this $220,000 to make 200 trials bikes. That was their first run. Yeah. In 1989, they expanded into enduro bikes. They started building full size. They were so successful. They were selling their trials bikes That first 200. Some of them went to Australia. Like they were all over Europe. Oh, really? I don't think many actually made it to North America, but...
0: And this is still under the... Under the brand Boltaco?
1: Uh, no, this is now Gas This gas. is
0: now Gas Gas, so, okay, yeah.
1: Yeah, so 1985, they had no bikes to sell because the two companies, SWM and Boltaco, had both gone under. Uh,
0: so they, yeah,
1: yeah. So they were able to get this investment of 10 million pesetas, two hundred twenty uh, 220,000 Canadian dollars to build 200 tr- Gas Gas trials bikes, their own specific design, and they sold extremely well because there was no European competition.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's a that's a pretty steep bike or pretty steep dollar value per bike if they're only making two hundred and they had two hundred thousand dollars to work with.
1: Yeah, well, they had to set up the tooling, the manufacturing. Like they set up the whole plants for that two hundred thousand, yeah. which is actually when you think of it as not just directly as building the bikes, but getting the molds and the factories and oh, employees absolutely. and the salaries, like setting up the empire that ran all the way until twenty fourteen as gas gas.
0: Yep. Yeah, for sure. No, that's fair. Just not very good return on investment for the first year or two.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I mean, to to make a company that big and, you know, like they've been competing with the the Japanese markets now and KTM, Huseberg, Husqvarna. Yeah, and I think your, when they came back. I
0: think Yamaha is uh, relatively unchanged since that time period. So they're probably pretty ahead of their time and competitive.
1: Yeah, yeah but. You know, to start building enduro bikes in 1989, have all the competition and go all the way to 2014. Uh, 2014, they merged with ASA, And AUSA is another company with quite a story like Gas Gas. Uh, they were actually founded in 1924. And they started producing two-stroke motorcycles for off-road use in 1949. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, you have this merger of GasGas and AUSA, which is quite cool. I mean, two historic European companies joining forces. Absolutely. So at some point, they need an investment in 2014 because, let's be honest, GasGas in 2014, like, they're overweight. They had a good motor, but nobody was buying them. There's no interest. There's no dealer network.
0: And they weren't, yeah, they weren't very, uh, they weren't very competitive we'll say as far as like the weight and the power and whatever goes
1: yeah exactly like,
0: and then yeah something uh, must have happened there hey
1: where they're like yeah so uh,
0: ran out of money
1: yeah we'll have to uh, we'll have to do a little bit more digging if any of our listeners know leave us a voicemail at our on our anchor account there or uh get us in touch with us facebook instagram whatever send us a message let us know but either way tarot group all of a sudden ktm starts showing some interest what happened there i mean <laughs> They had the fire in their plant. They would have had to rebuild, but I'm sure they had insurance, so they are probably going to collect on that. Was it enough to build a new plant? Did Taro Group decide that they just didn't want to be in that market? Did KTM decide that, hey, look, this is an electric motorcycle group. Let's buy them out because uh, it was, I believe, Taro's specialty at the time when they were acquired by ktm was electric bikes
0: it looks like they had a city surfer that was up on the street that was fairly popular i don't know that if that's in, model? yeah that was in europe where they came out with that in 2014
1: tara that came out with that and it's like a yeah it's a scooter or like an e-board
0: no it's like a looks like a collapsible pedal bike looking thing That's just electric powered as well. Kind of like an electric assist. I'm thinking this is more for the, like the European urban, um, just a commuter bike.
1: Strange. All right. Well, it is strange. Let's get to this. Let's get to the speculating.
0: All right. The speculating. So I think... I don't know. I don't believe that KTM bought GasGas entirely just to eliminate
1: competition. No, me neither. I think there's a deeper plan there.
0: I definitely think there's a deeper plan, but I'm not sure. I didn't know that GasGas had their fingers in the electric bikes too much, but I think the biggest one was that KTM figured that they needed a trials bike. And they currently don't have one. And GasGas yes. was, was top of the game with their uh, trials bike.
1: They were competitive. They had TRS just came out as well at this time. And TRS stole the factory rider from GasGas. And I can't remember. I think was it was a Kabastani. I can't remember. Now we're just throwing out rumors.
0: Oh, no. Yeah, yeah.
1: But it, either way, TRS, an amazing. They're, they're absolutely beautiful trials bikes. If uh, if any of our listeners ever get a chance to ride one, highly recommend you look at it a little closer. But anyway, yeah, TRS all of a sudden stealing GasGas.
0: The GasGas factory rider.
1: Yeah. The curious thing that makes me second guess that, and I'll I'll give kind of my theory on why they bought them, but why I second guess the trials thing is GasGas had Lars E. Knuckle as a test rider and Lars is quite a good trials rider and after they pur- after KTM purchased GasGas Gas, their only factory rider listed on their site and you have to dig for this is Taddy Blazusiak he is an uh, XMX racer and an enduro cross specialist and he rides the Hard Enduro events he has no trials background
0: oh yeah so
1: the only rider that KTM has that could be on both bikes doesn't ride trials
0: yeah because lars is an enduro rider like he races erzberg and whatnot right
1: yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. and he's an accomplished trials rider as well like he's quite competitive in a lot of his instagram posts and stuff because he's not tied to any brand when he was a gas gas test rider though he did post pictures of him test riding trials bikes so
0: yeah well that's uh that's crazy i'm
1: just i'm just you know the other side i don't know yeah and i think they i think they bought it for the electric that's that's my theory i think they're They wanted to grow the e-ride, the cost for them of manufacturing it because they have all their other plants just cranking out two strokes as fast as they can, that they needed a cheap place to build an e-ride type bike because they see that as the future. So they bought Torot to have those manufacturing facilities to build these cheaper e-bikes and try and get the price of them down.
0: And that makes sense. I uh, I was unaware that they have, that gas gasers had their fingers in the electric market, but I do absolutely think that electric bikes are the way of the future. And they're gonna be a hit once someone figures out how to make a full enduro e-bike.
1: Yeah, oh, absolutely. For myself, if they came down to an affordable price with a regional range, like today we went out, we rode for what, two hours? If yeah. I could do that, if I could have done today's ride on an electric bike, I would. I, w- I would buy one. I- I'd be satisfied with that.
0: And we did have a lot of like wide open stuff. Like this would have to be an electric bike on its level three or whatever the performance one is having to last that long.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I think you should be able to ride two hours of like your normal riding, not the light single track. Oh, I had it in low map. I, I babied along for two hours and, and we, we kind of got here. I think, no, I want to be able to do whatever I want for two hours.
0: Absolutely. I do think this is the electric thing might be our next
1: episode. Yeah. Would you buy an electric bike next if if that was there?
0: Yeah, exactly. No, I think we'll have an electric talk here uh, next episode. But uh, digressing and getting back to the gas gas, that they are going to keep gas gas around? Or is this kind of like a Husseberg type situation?
1: Yeah, so the curious thing with Husseberg right, is they came out with that new design. Uh, so they'd acquired Husqvarna and then Hussberg, and then they were building the... So the XeW, the Te, and uh, oh, what was the Husqvarna model?
0: It was the Te.
1: They were also the Te. Yeah. So it was the the two Tes, and then so you had the KTM with the open cartridge fork and PDS. You had the Husqvarna with a linkage and four CS. And you had the Husaberg with four CS and a linkage, like every combination. What do you want? You could like
0: exactly. And I think that was a pretty ideal bike, especially in 2016, the last year of that Husseberg. But I was really hoping that they KTM was going to keep the gas gas um, recent model around for a while, because I think that was a very promising bike.
1: Yeah. What, what do you? What are you? What's your feeling on the? off-road community and their acceptance of what KTM did there where they basically, they bought out Gas Gas with all this history, you know, they survived Taco. These guys clearly just loved riding. they were pro Spanish riders. Yeah. And then they just said, no, we're, we bought you. We're done. And we're just going to put some red plastics on our MX bikes.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much what they did. I don't know. Maybe the older community might feel a little different about it though. I think our generation will say 35 40 years and under i think yeah. that gas gas was pretty much just a small company that was making enduro bikes and trials bikes like i don't think anyone really knows or appreciates all the history that's there
1: yeah yeah absolutely i i had no idea oh exactly to, to me they were just kind of uh, a nobody that it was like oh well, they're kind I'm of just gas, an gas. off yeah.
0: brand if you want to be different you go buy gas gas
1: yeah but like really off brand yeah
0: well up until that most recent model though like with the kyb suspension and then the whole um frame that they reworked and it was looking like a really good bike
1: was that the 2017 or 2018 that rework yeah i think the pre-ktm the last model pre-ktm yeah i
0: think it was 18 19 was the was the two good years and it uh it looked awesome i think i think it would have been a really good bike to keep around and have kind of a like a Hussabird type situation where they accept the new model and then maybe just throw the WP suspension on it instead of the KYB. Cause I guess yeah. uh, KTM's got something against any other suspension.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, they own the WP factory and uh, th- I mean, they took their chassis. It's not even a matter of reusing it. It's they just put red plastics on their bike. Like <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, that's just it. Like that's kind of, that's kind of sad to see. But I mean, I guess gas gas might not have been competitive enough to even bother keeping that model around with.
1: But I've heard they have a really great motor, and that's what that 1819, like the bike that you picked for your bike build off. Yeah. A- after we did that episode, I went and looked at them. I'm like, man, that'd be a g- that's a good buy.
0: I think so. I don't know where a guy would find parts for it now though. Yeah. And <laughs> like, that's I the only guess,
1: hesitation.
0: Isn't like, it? Aren't uh, companies legally supposed to have parts available for 10 years or something like that?
1: Yeah. They're, and it's a European union law, which is where the companies are based out of, which makes it even better. But are you going to be buying parts for Beer Up for it?
0: Like, yeah. Or, yeah, do you go to a KTM dealership and ask for gas gas parts? Like, that's, <laughs> that's that's a hard, hard thing to do. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting to see that Taddy Blazuziak's going to be riding it. And I saw that Leia Sands is also going to be um, racing the Dakar on it in gas gas.
1: So, Leia earns her 10th consecutive Dakar rally. She placed 18th on the 2020 Dakar rally.
0: That's pretty noteworthy. And yeah, obviously obviously the gas gas rolled the finish line yeah but I, I mean i'm assuming that the this gas gas quote unquote is uh does have a ktm motor and everything now
1: yeah it's entirely so it's like i mean so you want to be so you want to be surprised the gas gas finish you're like hey gas gas finished a car and then you're like oh well actually it's just a red ktm that rolled across the line but
0: yeah pretty much i think i think now you just show up at go to a KTM and then a dealership and then just pick your color, whatever yeah, car you yeah. like better. Just take it. Cause yeah. it's all the same.
1: What color riding gear do you have now? Oh, you yeah. used to ride a Honda perfect by gas gas. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I think, I think if they were going to keep the gas gas brand around, I think a Paul Bolton would be a good addition to that factory team.
1: Ooh. Yes.
0: Cause if they were going to have a factory team, And Taddy Blazusiak was going to be on it. Like I think Paul Bolton would be a a pretty good pretty good addition to it because I think he could do fairly well if he's got factory support and not having to do everything himself like he is now being a privateer
1: yeah he's a unique guy I, I enjoy him he like he is that true privateer attitude or aspiration like he seems to really care about his fans he just seems like a genuinely like, good person I don't absolutely
0: know. and I was watching his uh, nuts and Boltons TV series there on the Red Bull TV and it was awesome it really seemed like you yeah. got to know the guy and he yeah had a bunch of footage of his family and all the stuff he does to get ready for the races and his wife helping out with the races and Yes, yeah, pretty interesting to see a little insight into his life. Yeah, but yeah, I thought he'd be a good a good addition, seeing as he already rides KTM now. Just has to yeah. pay money for one.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's running for Eurotech.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say that Poltara's would be a good one, but I don't, I don't think he's that on brand for KTM slash Husky slash Gas Gas.
1: Yeah, no, I and I, I don't think KTM will touch him after he called them out on their Enduro shenanigans at Romaniacs.
0: I think Paul, which is actually a great Instagram follow as well. He's got great yeah. he's got great content. Um I think he'd be more of the factory Sherco guy.
1: Yeah, it would be nice if Sherco picked him up. But they have I mean they have they've two. two I mean, they have their two. And they're not that big, like having seen their setup. So anyone who hasn't been to Ayrsberg or really seen kind of around the paddock, you have KTM who has two semi trucks. Then you have Husqvarna, two semi trucks. They have a cook cooking for meals. And then you go over to kind of the other side of the paddock and Sherco has two sprinter vans. And, you know, they're working out of one, and the guys are kind of sitting there. One for Wade uh, Young, one for Mario Roman. Exactly. And during the race, those two sprinter vans are out on course. Like, they don't even have anybody left in the paddock because they're out supporting the riders. And I think that's something that, you know, when you see, like, brands like Sherco and uh, Beta is the same, uh, on the podium or near it, that the level of support that they have and the amount of money they're putting into these teams – while significant, is nowhere near on the level of KTM Husqvarna.
0: Yeah. I was watching a YouTube thing with Johnny Walker, and he said if he wanted to, he could fly in, do his race, and then fly home. Like, that's how well he has it set up. Mechanic would have his bike warmed up for him, ready to go. He just has to throw his leg over and roll up to the start line.
1: Yeah, that's that's a whole different level.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, I don't know if that's that's dirt biking anymore at that point.
1: I personally couldn't hate on him for it because realistically, like that is the dream. I think of every pro rider to be at that level
0: where 100% if you're a fact, if you become a factory rider, you've won. That's just that's it. You've won.
1: Yeah, especially at KTM Husqvarna when, where, yeah, it's like, oh, sir, do you need a calf massage before your race? Like, how are you feeling?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Would you like I a mean, hot meal freshly cooked?
1: Yeah. Oh, sir, your private jet was five minutes late? We're so sorry. We'll get a faster pilot next time. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, it's interesting to see how Sherco is doing so well.
1: But a lot anyways. of respect for all the, the smaller teams. So we'll, uh, yeah, we're kind of going off on a tangent here. We'll wrap the episode up and uh, yeah, perhaps electric bikes next week. We'll talk about some of the models, what some of the ranges are and whether they're a viable alternative yet.
0: Yeah, have a little and just more classic Canadian banter.
1: Absolutely.
0: All right. Well, I guess that's a wrap for today.